my name is Jeff Mims, and you're listening to another edition of 204060 Podcast, a conversation between generations. And this podcast is our Thanksgiving podcast. We're certainly excited to celebrate the holidays at my house, and I hope that you're getting ready to be with family and friends and people that you love in your life as the holiday season really takes off. It always seems like Thanksgiving is that kickoff season for us. Today you have uh, some special guests on the podcast that you're going to be introduced to in just a minute. Uh, Today I'm going to be interviewing some friends of mine who I have known over the last 10 years. Wonderful family, Jim and Margaret Kimbrough, and they are uh, really almost lifetime members of our church. They've been here long enough. Uh, some pe- that you've, you've outlived some people, that's for sure. Amen. And so this is, this is a conversation as we talk about generations. I thought it would be really special for us to have this family be with us and talk about some things from their perspective as octogenarians. I guess you're octogenarians. That's Did I correct. say that correct? Yeah. So I won't say how old we are, but we're, we're in our 80s, correct, for both correct. of you? So how are you guys doing today? Doing good. Doing fine, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you all being with us on 204060. As you guys uh, and I were talking before we started, we were talking a little bit about some of the things that Thanksgiving meant to you guys early on. And I wondered if, if each of you could kind of just start with what Thanksgiving was like for you. Maybe Miss Margaret will let you go first as a child and some of the things that your family did or things that you uh, enjoyed doing in the Thanksgiving season. The thing I remember the most was our extended family getting together. We had a, a two November birthdays. Mm-hmm. And so we would celebrate those one Sunday in November and then on Thanksgiving Day, we would go to my great uncle's house, and uh, we would uh, have Thanksgiving there with an extended family. And mm-hmm. uh, I always got to eat at the second table because I was a child. <laughs> so you never made it to the big table at that gathering. Yes, huh? I finally did. Finally. So did you guys? Was was that like twenty, thirty people showing up? That kind of that kind of crowd? Well, probably more than twenty. Oh wow! So it was, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And everybody kind of that one time of the year the family got together. Well, at Christmas, my aunt had the family together, okay. so we we did we celebrated from Thanksgiving. Okay, but so, I did have one sad Thanksgiving. My grandfather, who was my mm. father to me, uh, I lost him in November, so that mm. was a sad Thanksgiving time. Yeah, for but, sure. Uh, anyway, uh, Thanksgiving was a great time. Yeah. So, were there were there any foods that you ate then that don't make it to your table now at Thanksgiving? Well, since I don't cook at Thanksgiving anymore, nothing makes it to my table. But <laughs> y'all uh, going to the Chinese restaurant this year? <laughs> <laughs> the Marriott is going to get our dinner. The Marriott's um, getting it. That's all right. I can't. Pretty much the same things. Okay. When I was cooking, okay. there were a few things that were added by our children and grandchildren, but pretty much the same foods. Okay. What about you, Jim? Was there anything you remember from being a child at Thanksgiving? Uh, in my earlier years, uh, I, we would go to my grandmother's uh, down in Giles County and uh, have Thanksgiving with them and with the extended family there. Afterwards, uh, later on as I uh, grew up and in high school, we always had a football game on. Our high school had a football game on Thanksgiving morning. Really? Every Thanksgiving. Again, now, against another school or against inter- another school? Really? Yeah. Fascinating. Every, thir- every Thanksgiving morning. And um, so uh, I was a cheerleader my senior year. So um, I naturally had to go. And mm-hmm. I always went uh, from my uh, time I was in the 
seventh grade in junior high till I graduated. Mm -hmm. I went every Thanksgiving morning, and we'd have our meal uh, afterwards that evening, uh, just our family. Yeah. You know, for me, Thanksgiving was always, as a kid, about uh, being at somebody's house. Now that I'm married with my own kids, we flip-flop every year. And so one year we're with my parents, and one year we're with my in-laws, my wife's family. And that's kind of the time we see her brother and nieces and all that kind of stuff that kind of all come around. So same thing here. All my family lives in town now, but we're actually only together every other Thanksgiving. And uh, we, we kind of always laugh because, you know, it's pumpkin pie, right? I hate pumpkin pie. <laughs> I do too. I, I can't stand it. <laughs> I don't like pumpkin anything, you know. <laughs> so I'm always like, can we get a little apple pie or, right. or, so, or something like that at Thanksgiving instead of just pumpkin? Now, you, fruit cake was a big thing at my family. No, oh. you're kidding. Oh, yes. Do you still eat fruit cake? I, I love it. Do you really? Yeah. No wonder, do you, Jim? Yeah. So that's always like the big joke, right? Is you know around Christmas we're gonna give somebody a oh, fruit yeah. cake that they're never gonna eat, right? That what was the thing a couple of years ago? It was like a fruit cake that had been found from like World War II, and they opened it up and like, oh, it's still good. You know? it's, it's so crazy to think about it like that. The fruit cake was always special at our house because my aunt always made one every year. Okay, and um, and that was our special uh, re uh, dessert, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. So maybe the difference is that it's not; um, it wasn't store bought in a can. No, no, packaged no, up, it right? wasn't. Ours was not either. Yeah, so that's a difference. Okay, so now you guys, uh, you guys have an interesting story about how you met. We were, we were, we've kind of <laughs> laughed about that a little bit, but uh, you guys were how old when you met and married? I was 18. Yeah, and how old were I you? I was 21. So you, you were in the Navy. Right. Right? So uh, how long were you in the Navy? Uh, three years and nine months. Three years and nine months. So you had enlisted right out of school almost right out of high school. To, to go in. And so, Margaret, tell pick up that story just a little bit about how <laughs> he's laughing because he knows where I'm going with this, about how you had a, a letter played a role in some things that were going on in your life with that. I received a letter from Jim's mother. And this was just a little before I was 18. Okay. Uh, just about a month. And anyway, she uh, said that uh, her son was home on leave from the Navy and uh, that he was didn't hadn't found anybody to, to go out with. And mm -hmm. that uh, I had told her that we'd love for her boys to come down to see her sometime, which our house had an open door, okay. right, revolving door. How far away did y'all live from each other? 20 miles. Okay. But anyway, I had seen his mother one time. Mm -hmm. just by accident. It sounds like something I would have said, but I don't recall it. So she, I, anyway, uh, it, she was, was fishing is what you're saying. There were some, there were some <laughs> older ladies that were friends on each side that it kind of, um, made a, you know, we, we just, I had to go. Mm -hmm. And so I was to get a date for his friend, which I did. And we were going out Sunday night after church. Well, my friend couldn't go, and so I thought, oh, good, I don't have to go. And so I called my elderly friend, and she said, well, I'll call her elderly friend. And she calls back and said he said he'd come by himself, and he showed up <laughs> at 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. And I thought, what am I going to do with him during church? I should have known I was hooked. 30 minutes after he got there, he wanted to know what time we were going to training union. <laughs> BYPU. No, it was training union then. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, no, wait, uh, wait. BYPU, Baptist Young, young Per People, People's, People's union. union. Yeah, there we go. But anyway, yeah. um, that, he dates was, us. Yeah. that was the 25th of January. He left, had to be back at his ship on the 7th of February. 
and he asked me if I would wait for him, and I thought, I'm not going anywhere. I told him yes. <laughs> and so we must have fallen in love through the mail because he came home in April, and the 24th day of May, we were married 12 days after I got out of high school. <laughs> so, so let me get this straight. Some lady you don't really know sends a letter and says, No, Go it was out his mother. Son. That's what I'm saying. Did you know her real well? I just met her one day. One time. So some lady you don't really know. <laughs> right. Mom was intervening in your life. Right. She, she knew what she was doing, didn't she? Evidently, she yeah. She always did. Yeah. So mom sends a letter. You guys see each other any more times between that Sunday oh, night and when he goes out on oh, leave? Hey, I mean, when he goes off a of leave? Often. Okay. So, so those two weeks, y'all are together yeah. a lot. Right. And then you're back to the ship. I'm back to the ship. And gone for a couple of months couple writing of months. letters. Right. I mean, at what point do we ask, like, hey, are we going to get married? Is that after you got off the ship or is that oh, yeah. by letter? It was after I got out of the Navy. That, we had uh, talked about it through our letters, and I think you called one time. You right. didn't call. Right. Right. You didn't call back then. That was like a week's did. worth of pay, wasn't it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we but he was going to school, so I thought it was going to be after he went to school and finished his 18-month course. And that was that was to become a tradesman in the printing business, right. correct? Yeah. Right. And so I thought, well, you know, I was making those kind of plans. And he came home and he said, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't just go on and get married. And there really wasn't. <laughs> Smart man. <laughs> and I do say that God had to be in that because yeah. I there was no money for me to go to college. Mm. And if I had had college money, I don't think I would have had bypassed college. Sure. And if I had wanted to go to college, I don't think Jim would have waited for yeah. me to get out of college. So I know God intervened in our lives at that time. That's amazing. So you, you guys... You're literally off the ship, and you're married a few days after she graduates. Right. Did you move to Nashville immediately, Jim, yes. to start yes, that we, program? Yes. The next yes. week. Okay. The next week, yes. So I'm, I'm just trying to paint this picture. I have a daughter, and I'm just seeing her saying, <laughs> I met a sailor <laughs> whose mom wanted me to go out with him. And now, five months later, we're going to get married and move what seemed like, I'm sure at the time, forever away. Even yeah. though it was not that far by today's standards. 45 miles down here. Her, right. mother, her mother wasn't really for all this. Okay. So you had a little opposition. <laughs> a little but opposition. my grandmother, who was upstairs after that, uh, <laughs> said, if you've made up your mind, don't let her talk you out of it. Well, there you go. <laughs> so you guys got married and uh, moved to Nashville, and you spent your whole lives here. Yes. And we're actually uh, basically in the same neighborhood, and you guys have kind of lived a couple of different places around, two different places, right, in Nashville? We've had two houses. Two houses here. In two apartments. And you guys, how many kids did y'all have? Three. And you have how many grandchildren? Seven. And how many great-grandchildren? Three. So, I mean, we're talking about now, and this is why this is important, folks. We're talking about four generations right. of, of the Kimbrough right. family here. Uh, I'm <clears> curious, uh, and I wanted to have these folks on here because one day when I was talking to Miss Margaret about raising my own children, uh, she gave me the most discouraging piece of news that I had ever heard. <laughs> and I've referenced this from our pulpit. She said, raising adult children and parenting adult children is the hardest parenting you will ever do. And and I told her that day, if it gets harder than this, you might as well take an ice pick and <laughs> stick it in my eye and just end it. I can't imagine that it's harder than this. Uh, you guys uh, raised a family while you were working you know, nice. Different shift work and, and different things like that. Right. What are some of those things? Let's talk about what life was like with early children. And I want to come back to, you know, adult children. I think it's a great perspective. 
What was it like being 45 minutes, or I'm sorry, 45 minutes by today's standards? I don't know how long it would have taken to get home then, uh, early on. At least. Yeah, so I mean, it was a longer drive, not much communication, you're writing letters, not calling much, don't have the help of a family around you who's who's just right here. What, what were some of those things early on that you could identify now that said these these were tough times, but here's what we learned about having young children far away from family and whatnot. Well, by the time we had a two-year-old, my mother had moved here. Okay. Uh, she and my grandmother added on to our house. Okay, I didn't know that. And my that. grandmother lived two days. Oh, wow. And, uh, so, of course, and I'd grown up in my grandmother's parent with my mother, so that was – she was my other mother. Right. But anyway um, – so mother was here, but I was so independent mm. that I didn't accept a lot of help. Okay. Okay. They were our children, and I, they were my responsibility. Mm-hmm. But this church, mm. this church has been our bedrock. Mm. Jim just said that this week. That's been our home. This has been what has been the bedrock of our family. Yeah. So that was really that was foundational for you in raising the children. Yes. People, oh, yeah, people speaking definitely. into your lives as a dad, maybe and whatnot, and right, yeah, just watching other people rear their children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was I was uh, what twenty two when I was ordained a deacon. Twenty six. Huh. Twenty six. Twenty six when I was ordained a deacon here. Hmm. So I've been a deacon a long time. <laughs> and we've never let him rotate off. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> he probably hasn't had too much time off, uh, have I've you? had a year, year, year or so. Every I've had a year each time. Yeah. So, Jim, what was it like for you working? I mean, what would you say to a dad? Because I think the big thing that people say today is, we're just so busy. Well, nobody's busier than a guy who's working nights with kids who are home and little. So what was that like for you and how did what 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 was helpful to you during that time period? Well, uh it was it's I wouldn't advise it to anybody and I don't know that I'd ever do it again. <laughs> uh work uh, night shift. Uh days were work made for working and nights were not for working. Mm-hmm. I, that's the way I I've, I've uh I, I've always felt that way. I never did really like it. It was just a a means of income, yeah. <clears throat> means of income. Yeah. So, um, but it was it was hard because uh, after we had start having children, uh, you you uh, didn't get to see them much. Uh, they were either in school, and so I would have to go pick up Jamie. I remember first uh, at school and bring him, bring him home, see him about thirty minutes before I'd hmm. go home. Uh, go to work, and uh, so it wasn't easy at all. But uh, uh, Margaret kept on going to church and uh, and doing all the things that she did, and uh, we didn't let that affect our uh, lives at all. Uh, I just didn't get to participate in the anything that happened at night at church. Yeah, that. Just so people have a little bit of context, this wasn't like a year you worked night shift. No, I did it for 20 years. 20 years. 20 years. 10 years, 4 to 12. Another 10 years, midnight to 7.30. And we chose that. Yeah, it was better, right? Because the children, he was at home with the children. It wasn't too bad for the children as long as we didn't have one in school because they spent probably more time with their dads than most kids did. Right. And Jim was such a good dad with the kids and, and played with them and took them every, you know, he, if the, if he was going somewhere, there was one in the car with him. Mm-hmm. But by the time Jamie started to school, 
he couldn't he couldn't walk home from school, which was the plan, right? And see his dad before he left to go to work, right? So you guys made the decision after those ten years to go to the graveyard, right? right. Which was harder for you, certainly, well, I guess, not really. But no, it didn't bother your sleep no. that you were able to sleep in the days. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Now, one thing that's I guess people might not realize, uh, even those who know you, uh, I've known Jim for ten years, and he's always been in exercise or something. And I remember you telling me one time that you used to go, <laughs> I can't remember, you used to go, you'd leave work in the morning and head straight to the cemetery and get a run in. Right. Just reminding yourself you didn't want to end up there or, or what. You Saw know, a lot of things in the cemetery early in the morning. Uh, I bet you did. <laughs> but we but, lived right next right, to Woodlawn yeah, Cemetery. But we did, right. yeah, But it was, uh, that but, that, was, but that's how you got it in. That's right. I did. I, uh, I would come home from work and, uh, go, go for a run and uh saw many things and then uh the funny thing that happened about that though the <clears throat> while i was running one morning the police stopped me uh, <laughs> and said uh, what are you doing over here i said i'm running and they say we see we see you doing that but said mr legan who owned the funeral home at the time at woodlawn uh he said he didn't want you running over here anymore hmm and he said, uh, "And uh, all I can do is I told you." <laughs> so uh, I just kept on running every day anyway. And, so they but, thought you were robbing graves or something. Evidently, there, that's yeah, what they thought. In your tracksuit. But it was. It was. I always did that every morning. Yeah. How did you guys manage? I think one of the things some of our young families struggle with. You obviously don't have all the money you're going to have when you're. <laughs> brand brand new parents you know how did you manage uh you know a, a life where you guys stayed connected you know as husband and wife to be able to you know have a conversation and not be interrupted and you're working swing shift and trying to get a run in and trying to raise how did you guys what were some some strategies you used to be able when you couldn't just hire a, a nanny and take a cruise for a week what what did you guys do for fun and how how did you make that work our church, there again, our church was our place to be. Mm. And uh, we had socials among our young people, but we always brought our children. Mm -hmm. The day of going off and leaving your children was not really big back then. Yeah. <clears throat> and even though my mother lived with us, and um, uh, when Jim was working uh, evenings after we had a child, I struggled because I thought, do I need to stay home with this baby or do I need to drag him out in the night? Mm. And first, after, after Mother lived with us, we had an extra car because mm -hmm. Mother, when Mother came home from work, there was a car there. And, but I wouldn't leave her, leave mm. him. I, we we just took care of our own children. We we did not have a vacation until we'd been married eight years. I want everybody to hear that because I think that <laughs> I think that's really important that you hear it because one of the things that so many of our younger families are struggling with is they. They're watching what they perceive to be the reality of people's lives, going on vacations right. as young people, cruises and all, and they don't realize that so many of those are those those families are hocking their lives in debt. And and we we were laughing about this the other day. I've been married sixteen years, and we've had little mini vacations, but it was just last I guess two years ago that we took our kids on their first week long vacation. They were nine and seven and you're not depriving your kids by waiting to take a vacation it's okay isn't it well and the thing about it is uh 
we we just had this uh, idea that the children were our responsibility. Yeah. And um, we did not go off and leave our children mm-hmm. until our oldest was 19. <laughs> our next was 16. And so that meant Lawrence would have been 10. So did you leave the 19-year-old in charge? Well, we he thought he was in charge, but his sister really was. <laughs> <laughs> another, another thing that uh, we did, uh, we was... Uh, um, uh, well, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, uh, we didn't uh, give gifts uh, to our kids just all through the year. Mm. They got gifts on their birthday mm-hmm. and at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got an allowance, and uh, we gave them a, a good allowance where they could spend their own money. But they always we taught them to tithe, and mm. uh, uh, that uh, <laughs> That's right. tithe that uh, uh, money that we had given them. So uh, they were learning there too, and uh, they don't seem to be deprived of anything by not having a gift every yeah. day or every yeah. few days. It was a hard on the younger one though because he was born two days after Christmas. Oh wow! <laughs> and he yeah. was a great big child before he knew you could have birthday presents that wasn't wrapped in Christmas paper. <laughs> so one yeah. year when he was probably about. 12, he said, you know, I see something along about September, October I'd like to have, but I have to wait on my birthday. So we started giving him a middle-of-the-year present. Oh, that's cool. And then just held something from his Christmas back for Mm -hmm. a birthday gift. But that's kind of hard when you're a Christmas baby. (laughs) That's right. Now, this is interesting because Jim brought up tithing, and uh, (laughs) I've never had anyone talk to me about their funeral (laughs) and script it the way that Miss Margaret did. Uh, she said, hey, if you're the one that does my funeral as my pastor, there's two things that I would like for you to talk about. And by the way, uh, I think it's important for all of us to be thinking about the end of our lives because that will inform how we live our lives today. And more people need to think that way. But Miss Margaret said uh, two things. You preach the gospel. Please preach the gospel. And secondly, preach tithing at my funeral. <laughs> and so... I wanted her to come on the podcast so that when I preach tithing one day at your funeral, <laughs> nobody will say, well, what a money grabber that pastor is. Talk talk to me, uh, Jim, Margaret, talk to me a little bit about the role that tithing has played in your life and why that is so important to you guys. Well, <clears throat> when we first started out, first married, uh, we didn't have uh, uh, very much money. <laughs> in fact, we didn't have any much to... <laughs> Uh, do anything with uh, other than just pay our bills, but we always tithed uh, our money. We uh, we had a uh, uh, we had an envelope that we mm-hmm. put all our money into. This bill goes to NES. This bill goes to uh, the water, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the way we had had it uh, uh, planned out. We put our money in these different envelopes, but we always uh, we always tithed. And uh, the funny thing about it was. <clears throat> Sometimes we'd have to spend something extra for something that would come along, and we didn't know how we was going to uh, tithe our money. But uh, at that time, I would work a lot of overtime, yes. and mm-hmm. uh, it just so happened that whenever we needed some extra money, I would uh, be able to work overtime and mm-hmm. make that extra money. We just never did uh, have that problem of uh, not being able to meet our bill. So did, did you grow up tithing? Was that something that you yes, learned early I, on? I in life? did. My my folks uh, taught that also when I was uh, uh, well from the time I can never remember. 
But you learn you learn tithing in a little bit different manner. You told me about how you essentially asked for an allowance so that you could start tithing. Tell that story a little bit. I was a sunbeam, mm-hmm. which was one of our missionary organizations, and there was the story about the little girl sitting on the front steps of the church with her ten pennies, mm-hmm. and she was going to give one of them to Jesus because she was a tither. And I went home and asked my mother if she would give me an allowance. I'm eight years old. Mm -hmm. And she said uh, she gave me 50 cents a week so Mm -hmm. that I could put my nickel in the church. Mm -hmm. And so anytime, if somebody gave us a gift, Mm -hmm. we tithe. And uh, we were so blessed because we realized that our children had learned the lesson that we had modeled for them. Because after my mother died, she had left each one of her grandchildren a sizable amount of money for them. Mm -hmm. And within 24 hours of the time my brother read my mother's will, each one of our children came and said, we want to tithe what money left to us. Wow. And so I said, "Mm, it worked. (laughs) And that's kind of an interesting story because you didn't grow up with a lot of means. There were, no, no. My your, mother your was, mom a was not parent. In, she was not independently wealthy. But what's funny, you say she left him a sizable gift because well, she, had, she was faithful through the years. And she had she had been blessed by an uncle having left yeah. her some money. But anyway, yeah. Uh, and you know, I was thinking about life uh, when we were thinking about this. Um, about the time that the year that our oldest son graduated from college and our daughter married. We'd been married 25 years. Hmm. Jim's parents celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. Hmm. And our income changed tremendously just over a short period of time. Mm -hmm. But within the next year, you don't ever have that kind of blessing that God doesn't allow you to be tested. Mm -hmm. My mother, I lost my mother the very next year. I'm 44 years old. Mm. And the next year, our first grandchild was stillborn. But God has been faithful yeah. every bit of the way. Yeah, every bit, right? Every, every bit. Every step. So, so as you guys uh, started having children that were growing up and <laughs> moving into adulthood, what is it about uh, you know being parents of adult children? Where do you find the difficulty in that? What, what's the what's the the, the rub there? Well, the first thing I think was when our daughter married it in 1978, and her husband was still in um, college, finishing his last year in college, and she was working. And uh, we would see, I would see them begin to spend something that seemed unwise. (laughs) Okay. Right. And to have to say, okay, it's their business. Yeah. Uh, It's the question of when to help with um, advice that's helpful to them Hmm. and when that advice would be interference. Trying to know the difference and discern Mm -hmm. what God might be doing in that. I can imagine that's pretty tough because you're thinking at this point, we've lived this lesson already in our lives. Don't make the same mistake or whatever, right? Right. Then our son went through a divorce, and that was tough and Hmm. Uh, it was hard for us, and we were. He was in Atlanta, and we were in Nashville, and um, but uh, God saw us through that, and um, it. But it was tough. Yeah. It was, um, but we tried to give advice, and and um, so far, uh, it things have 
worked out pretty good. Well, it seems like it because your children still all speak to you and your grandchildren <laughs> still come to church with great grandchildren. You just had some uh, of your grandchildren and great grandchildren here with you right. a couple of weeks ago and great looking family. And just, I mean, it seems like you, you guys figured out that, uh, how to do that, I guess I would say, and not alienate them. So what advice would you give to some of our parents whose kids are going off to college, getting married about like, when do you know when to intervene? When do you know when to just step back and let the Lord deal with it? How how did you, how did you discern those things just through prayer and reading and study or what? (laughs) I'll have to tell this funny story if you've, uh, when Jamie went away to college, of course, the oldest one, he was just up in Bowling Green, but that was a long way for Mama for mm-hmm. have her baby gone away. And so I prayed, and I'd say, Lord, I, I can't do anything about it. He's up there at school. Lord, just take care of him. And Jamie would call on midweek and say, I believe I'll come home this weekend, Mom, and I've got a class, and I should be home around 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And he also gave me the weekend's menu. mm which was not hard at all for me because, I mean, you know, I knew what he wanted. So anyway, but so Friday afternoon now, I've given him to the Lord, and I honestly didn't worry about it. The only thing I could do, he was off at college. But I could see around 3 o'clock, I'd start looking out the back windows. And then about 3.30, I went a little bit more often. It was like I'm saying, God, now he's back on my turf, and, and I'll take care of him this weekend. And Sunday <laughs> afternoon, when he goes back to the ballroom, I'll give him back to you. And then I realized how ridiculous that was. Yeah. But he did some things in college that were a little bit scary. Mm. And I said, son, don't tell me ever before you go. Yeah. Tell me after you get home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just being able to say, like, this is God's child now and later right. and everywhere else, too. Was there was there a way that you worked through that, Jim, in your own life with the boys? And Well, uh, I, don't, I don't really remember that any difficulties or anything with them. I, we just seemed to work together uh, hmm. uh, with them and uh, they uh, they they just didn't get away from their uh, Christian upbringing and hmm. I don't mean that they didn't do things you know out of the way that, that kids do sure I know that but uh, but uh, they were just we just never really had a whole lot of trouble with our kids yeah really. yeah. Uh, you guys have you guys have what I would describe to anyone who, if you don't know the Kimbros, as a pleasant family. They're pleasant. They're pleasant together. They're fun to be with. There's a lot of laughter in your home. Yes. Uh, I've never sensed that either one of you took yourselves too seriously to laugh at something you had done or or whatnot. And I, I tease Jim all the time. We've played golf together and. Depending on the day, he's always a better golfer. The question is, is the gold putter going to show up that day, and am I going to be <laughs> yeah. able to out-putt him? Uh, but Jim, Jim, Jim plays on the senior PGA Tour uh, <laughs> of Nashville three days a week, whether he needs to or not, and uh, pretty much year-round, too, he, he's after. But, you know, you guys always have just been so pleasant, and it seems to me I, I, I can see myself saying, I, I think I would have liked him in part of that family. That's a good family <laughs> and uh, a blessing to us. As we close out, I want we've talked a couple of different times about um, the role that church played in your life. Mm-hmm. Could we end with that and, and just kind of camp out here for just a few minutes? Uh, today, as the pastor of the church, we're struggling to wave the flag that says church adds value to your life. I think most people see church as 
oh man, I got to go to that thing that they're doing at the church or it's one more thing. Or, you know, we used to do the brotherhood on Monday night. If I called a Monday night meeting Ooh. right now, they, I might be in the gallows the next day, <laughs> you know, and vacate the office. Uh, it, it has just changed a little bit. And I, I grew up obviously, uh, there, there's a couple of generations between us because I guess I'm probably, uh, Old as old as some of your oldest grandchildren. Uh, oldest of, is thirty six. Yeah, so, so we're kind of right in the uh-huh. same vein. I'm forty. So as, as we think about that, I grew up not that dissimilar from your experience because I went to church training union. I, I didn't go to Baptist Young People's Union. <laughs> I had to think. Either. I had to think about that one for a minute. But we had church training union. We had visitation. We had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, in your minds. Why do you think our young people don't see the value added that you guys saw in your church experience? What changed? And maybe you've seen it in your grandchildren, been able to talk to them about it, or your children. Well, I, th- I just think times have changed, Jeff. Uh, is that a bad thing, or is it just well, okay? I, I don't know. I won't say it's a bad thing. Uh, it's just a different thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were coming along with our young uh, kids, uh, church was just on Monday night. There was something on Tuesday night. There was visitation on Wednesday night. It was church, and and we just did that. And uh, now, with uh, of course, we had television, but it, not much of television <laughs> at that time. Yeah, right. Uh, that anyway, it didn't take away like it does now. Sure. Um, uh, there just wasn't as much going on otherwise that we that we went to i guess i guess there's just more things mm-hmm. that are that are going on now sure sports uh, sure back then you had baseball and football and basketball and that right. was about all and that was for the boys the girls right. didn't have much of anything to do mm-hmm. and so now there's there's every kind of a thing another thing i was not a working mother Mm-hmm. mother and so that uh freed me up for a lot of things to be able to do sure and um uh, i worked at home but i didn't have work away from home the only drawback from that was the fact that i have been so encapsulated in this church mm. that i have not had that opportunity to reach out into the community except through a swim class i taught for 25 years and and I even questioned myself, should I do that? And I realized, well, you're going to see more unsaved people in your right. swim class than you'll ever see at Judson Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. But there's just so much more to these young people today. And had I worked, I don't know what I would have done. It would have been tough. It would have right. been much It would have been tougher. tough, yeah. Right. And and I do think that's an interesting point that you bring up because you, if church was the center of our lives, it has changed and and I think more people now see what you were talking about about that swim class. They see an opportunity to do that. Uh, I, what what I hope we don't lose. We still are a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday church. Now that's that's pretty much that's pretty much the church wide events. We may have helping hands one day or or whatnot, but that's certainly an optional thing that people join in or, or a men's group that, that meets. I know you guys play in the Nashville Baptist Golf League right. and things like that, but that's not a, a church-wide. No. What I hope doesn't happen, I hope we continue to see the outreach and more people being saved. And whatnot. I hope we don't lose uh, the value because what you can't get in the swim class are the things that you were talking about earlier. The community that will stand beside you, help you raise your children, 
you know, be there when you need it. Uh, take your children to raise as well. You know, it, we, we all know it takes a village to raise the child. Not, no one parent can do it. We need the help of, of godly people around us. And, and I hope we, we don't lose that. It, it is more complicated today, for sure, in the times that we're living in. Yes, it is. But uh, these are great times, too, because there's a, this is a time that we have to do a podcast like this. We couldn't have done that oh, uh, 15 years ago. That's right. And now we have the opportunity to get the word out to people. And we're all excited about what God's doing at Judson. And if, if yes. you're not part of what God's doing in your local church— I encourage you to be part of that because there is value added there. And some of that value is just meeting great people like the Kimbros and being able to be with them and glean from them and learn from them. And uh, I will tell you, uh, guys, you both know, I hope, what you mean to me and the encouragement you provide for me and our staff, all of our pastors, uh, and the support. And we really believe that we're standing on your shoulders. When I look out at the future of Judson Baptist Church, we look to the past at what was built here because so much was built for us to be able to make the next step in following Jesus. And so much is. was built for us when, yeah, right? when, when we came along. Yeah, and that's how it should be. And I hope that continues. I want to thank you guys for spending this afternoon with us on the podcast. This has been great. Uh, connect with us at 204060 Podcast, or you can email me. Uh, that's the best way to get in touch with me. We're at judsonbaptist.com. And uh, I have a Facebook uh, feed and Instagram as well. You can always check out Gene and Jared on uh, Facebook or Instagram uh, or email us, contact us if you have questions for us or topics you want us to cover. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless you all.